dart sticker with a simple message that's all about you. Today's show is brought to you by our merch store featuring Have Goals branded clothing such as t-shirts, hoodies, and more. 100% of the profit from our merch goes to help the homeless. Find out more on our website at havegoals.store. You can also follow us on Instagram at havegoals for additional information and discount codes. With me today is Layla. Would you care to tell us a little about yourself? My name is Layla Amin. I am a Milwaukee-based artist, um, born and raised in the city, probably going to live here my entire life because I love it so much. Um, I'm currently uh, pursuing an art therapy degree, but I have lived a very artful life, I think, from a very young age, and that's been my goal, is to always have art be the center of my life. Right on. So are you going to school for art? Or did you? So I did, yes. Um, So I went to Peck School of the Arts quite a few years ago now, UW-Milwaukee, and I graduated with a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Fibers. So my focus was in like textile-based art, but I kind of took all the skills that I learned from there, like the drawing and the painting and like the sculpture, and I've incorporated that into my current practice. Um, I've also dabbled in education for the last eight or so years in differing environments. So I was a middle school art teacher for a little bit of time and I also worked as a community educator with the Milwaukee Art Museum and currently I work at an art therapy center as an art instructor and uh, this last year you know I think a lot of people can relate to this is you know your perspectives uh, change because of global situations and I made the decision to go back to school and uh, get my art therapy degree so Two degrees, hopefully. You know, I've used art for my own personal therapy, I guess, quite a bit. But how does how does art therapy come across, like in the in more of a structured environment, like where you're doing it? The demographics that I work with right now are adults of um, differing abilities. So we have individuals who are on the autism spectrum. We have individuals who um, may have like a physical disability. So. The arts are used as a way for social interactions. You know, you're you're encouraging uh, self-development, what their voice is, um, cognitive skills, motor skills, uh, and just expression. Since a lot of these individuals don't have the opportunity to share their voice necessarily in a quote-unquote normal environment, so that the space is for them to artistically express whatever their feelings are, their ideas are, who they are as a person. The art therapy that I'm doing right now and facilitating is really so, these are people who can feel like they're being seen, like what they're doing uh, matters. Yeah, It's really fun to watch too because, you know, I think a lot of artists, have this idea like, oh, you know, art can only be a certain thing or you have to have the certain training for it. But these are individuals who are making art just for the sake of making it because they love to. And that is incredibly inspiring to witness every day. 
Yeah, you know, sometimes I've found that people just need that acknowledgement that the thing they're doing is art, you know, because people grow up in whatever environment they grow up in and they end up with notions about what is art and what is not art and, you know, what are you, what are you doing there? You know, because mm-hmm. sometimes you're trying to say something through the work that you're doing and I don't know, I, I ran into this a lot as a kid. I was trying to make art, but I was surrounded by people who had no interest in that. And so it, mm-hmm. it was just, it was hard for me to find my way into realizing what it was that I was doing. Yeah, I think that's self-validation. It's something that you realize, I think, as you grow as a person, because I know exactly what that feeling is. I come from a family that doesn't really appreciate art as much as I do. You know, my my dad wanted me to become a doctor, and I was like, absolutely not, Dad. I I can't. I can't. I I would be lying to myself if I did that. So. It's really this like identity crisis growing up where you you have this part of yourself that you want to express so badly, but you're you're not really getting the validation from the adults or the other people around you. Right. So you have to really um, hone in on that on your own and, you know, give yourself that pep talk instead. You know, and probably an aspect of that too, like when you talk about your parents wanting you to be a doctor, there is like, as a parent, you know, I can kind of recognize the attitudes that I've had in the past and other parents that I've known where there's this idea that your child is going to reflect on you somehow. And if they're doing some perceived noble thing of being a doctor or or like a financial thing, like they're, they're in a high, you know, they're in, they're in a career where there's going to be a lot of money coming their way, that that mm-hmm. is appreciated more than if they are creating meaningful art that says something or reaches people or expresses something that the child needs to express. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can understand that. I mean, I'm not a parent, um, <laughs> but I think so much of my upbringing because of like the cultural tones and just like how family and the parent child relationship is where you are a reflection of your parents. I think that that is why there is that push towards like, no, you have to be, you know, one type of person and creativity is really not encouraged as much because it's not seen as a respectful way to present yourself, which is really sad. Sure. But I would like to think that you can still prove to be a successful, developed person through the arts because that is, you know, for so many people, such a huge part of identity that is completely valid and such a strength for just society in general. We need creative people to keep the world you know, not as bleak as it is right now. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. So. so tell me a little bit about the art that you've been doing in the past couple of years and where it's led you to now. It's been a journey. I, I 100% feel like I've changed as a person, especially in the last few years, since a lot of my artwork has really coincided with my own growth and 
kind of like healing journey that I've been going on. You know, I was thinking about this this morning when it, because you always get that question as an artist, like, what do you do? And describe what you do. And yeah. sometimes that's really hard to put into words. And as I was thinking that over, I was like, you know, I feel like a lot of my artwork now really is me um, celebrating myself as a woman and being okay with that. I like to describe my artwork currently as like feminine surrealism, kind of like an exploration into like what I define as feminine. And I really like to put my own interpretations on like mythological women or like women from like religion, from history, because a lot of those stories have really only been told through a very like male centered narrative. Right. And honestly, I do think a lot of my like push towards this, like, well, I want to give these women a space of their own is because I was raised in a very like patriarchal setting. So I'm almost like rejecting that and putting my own voice out there now by doing this like extreme, like womanly art. Like it's okay for me to, be a female and to claim my space. Well, I can't add a word to that. Yeah. <laughs> and that might've been a bit wordy. I don't know. I, I have three daughters and they really, each of them has a, an individual strong voice and it's been a, a journey as, you know, for me to allow them to take the path that they want to, you know, cause I, I have sisters as well mm-hmm. and I saw how repressed they were by my parents, each in their own way. They had like a role that they were supposed to be in and do. Yeah. And some of them did that and some of them definitely didn't and struck out in another direction. And it really affected how they were seen, you know, in our family. Yeah. And so I've tried to get out of my daughter's way to let them each do the thing they want to do. And mm-hmm. and that can be hard because they're, you know, as you said, I mean, it is such a patriarchal world that we live in. And there are so many male dominated messages that it can be yeah. hard for a female to find that voice and to just go in a direction without constantly receiving all kinds of criticism. Yeah. And, and I'm not here to like riff on this topic. I mean, I am a man and I know for sure that I don't know anything about this except as an outside observer, but just trying to support that has, has been really enlightening. Yeah. I think having daughters is, you know, raising them, can be a bit difficult. And, you know, I think raising children in general, and I think that's why sometimes I'm like back and forth. I'm like, you know, when I have kids, you know, what type of world am I going to be bringing them into and how do I want to raise them? Because I don't, I don't necessarily believe in roles anymore. And like what you were saying with your, with your sister, that's like, I've, also seen that you know growing up too where you kind of assign these like characters for daughters to play throughout their entire life and I hate that it's seen as rebellion when you break away from that right 
I mean, even going back to like the whole, my parents wanted me to be a doctor situation where it's like, you know, I was supposed to be this like, okay, yes, whatever you say, like I'll listen to you obedient and me, you know, taking my own independent decision to pursue art and to make that my, my life, you know, path is still seen as this act of rebellion when it's like, no, this is just how I am. You know, my presence is not anything that's supposed to be in complete contrast to you. It is a little difficult sometimes. I think, um, you know, in the art world, being a, a woman artist and how your work is viewed and how it's treated. <laughs> when we talk about the art world too, I've been able to see it from a number of different sides because I came into it from a place where I was just doing my art because I don't know, it just seemed like what I was supposed to be doing for myself mm -hmm. and then suddenly became involved in the art world, like the more structured art world. You know, I got involved with, uh, Redline Milwaukee and mm -hmm. doing art shows and meeting other artists and seeing what the, what the issues were that were the day to day for an artist, you know, because it is being an artist in a capitalistic society is a rebellion. You're not, mm -hmm. you're not becoming a worker bee on a factory line. You know, you're over here creating some art and you're getting messages all the time that like, well, that doesn't have a bunch of value, you know, how are you going to get in yeah. debt like the rest of us? You know? Yeah. <laughs> and like how are you market yourself? You have to be a business. Exactly. Like, eh, I don't want to do that. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, that's something I really struggle with too, is everyone tells you that you're supposed to monetize your art. And aside from that's really difficult, that can also just be kind of a difficult internal decision. Like if you're making your art for the reasons you're making it, right. there's the part where you want to pay for the paint and stuff and everyone can get behind that. But then once you start trying to put on it, the value that you think it has, that's where people get a yeah. little like, Oh yeah. They want to like contest that. Be like, well, I wouldn't pay that much. And it's like, hey, man, I'm I'm being honest. I'm trying to make back, like, this, you know, the effort that I've put into this. Yeah. Um, yeah, the whole, like, putting prices on your artwork, I find so uncomfortable because it's ridiculous that you have to justify, you know, why you have put that value on, it's like almost yourself in a way because your artwork is you. So if someone's saying like, I don't think it's worth that much. It's like, well, what are you saying about me? Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, not, that is a good way to put it. Am I not worth that much? So. so tell me about how you're going about your art. Like what kind of mediums are you using? Yeah. Um, right now it's primarily painting, but I've been thinking of getting back into like more mixed media fibers work, like how to um, blend what I'm doing with my paintings into um, textiles. Yeah. I find textile art just totally fascinating. Yeah. It's, um, it's a lot of fun. I, 
I think I fell in love with it because of like how tactile it is. Like you really have to be hands on with fibers work, no matter what type of technique that you're doing, you know, dyeing or um, embroidery, screen printing. It's like you're, you're in it. My gravitation towards like what materials I use really depends on the feeling that I'm in because a while ago I was only using watercolors and that was it. And now I'm using acrylics and I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get tired of using acrylics all the time. Let's do something else. So I like to mix it up quite a bit. Yeah. I saw a video where you were using paint pens Yes, and I just oh, love yeah. those things. My Kate Bush reel that I posted on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, oh man, I, I'm such a huge fan of, of Kate Bush. Um, but also those paint pens, you can, um, get them at Blick and they are absolutely fantastic. I love them. Since you brought up your Instagram, mm-hmm. I gotta say that you're really using the tools of social media pretty admirably with your art. Like, I like what you're doing there, you know, because it can be like, it's one thing to get on there and just post a bunch of pictures and, you know, get people to click on them, but to compose like different ways, you know, using all the tools of Instagram, you can really make some kind of its own little piece out of, out of your art. And I I like, yeah, Thank you. I, it's because I'm a MySpace uh, child, wow. basically. <laughs> so I, um, you know, child of the 90s and uh, 2000s, you learn how to customize your MySpace page and, you know, make little snippets of videos timed to music. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I, I like to have fun with it. I don't really think too much about like the whole business aspect of using social media for my art. I, I just want people to see what I'm doing. And, you know, if I'm listening to a particular song while I'm painting, I'm going to use that as like, you know, the caption for my Instagram or I don't know, not make it so formal, right. so stiff. I want to have fun with it because it is social media. So. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's too seriously. That's where I've seen you because that's the only social media that I really use, you know, to any yeah, extent. Same. Spend too much time on social media or like I don't share too much of myself necessarily anymore. I think because you start to realize how bad it can be for you yeah. to constantly need to put this like good side of yourself out for people to see. And also I'm getting to a point where it's like, people don't need to know what I'm doing all the time. Sure. <laughs> you know, if they really cared or if I cared, we would contact each other in person, yep. you know, have, have a phone call, you know, not like, Oh, I saw it on Instagram and I, I liked your post. So I think that that kind of ties into my like non nonchalant attitude. <laughs> towards it. You know, you've just reminded me of some, of kind of this weird observation I've had. I have a bunch of friends who are slightly older than me, who I used Mm -hmm. to work with like professionally. And I don't really talk to them very much now because I'm not on Facebook. 
And so the times that I do meet up with these people, the conversation just seems to be them catching me up on their Facebook posts. Like everything they say is, well, I know you're not on Facebook, but. But here, let me show you what I posted. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, oh, like, I mean, here you go. I can't like it in real life. It's like, uh, you know, yeah, I, I do think I'm going to, I feel like when I talk about, social media, I, I start to sound like a person who's like these kids back in the day, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> um, but it, it really has affected, you know, like how we communicate with each other. And I do think that um, it's taken away our ability to have like in-person face-to-face conversations. You almost shy away from it now. Cause it's like, Oh, well, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll see what they're up to right. online. Yep. And you lose that, you know, intimacy with other people because of it. So I'll just, you know, full disclaimer, if I, <laughs> you know, because I will be sending this um, podcast out to people when it's done, but it's like, if, if I am speaking to you in real life, that means that like, we are genuinely friends and <laughs> I, I 100% want to know what is going on in your life because I don't just want to see what you're doing online. I want to see you in the flesh. Right. Kind of an uncurated version where you can just be yourself. For everyone as an artist, being in this situation with the pandemic has kind of changed how we approach other people with our art. How has that been for you? Oh, wow. Oh, man. It's been interesting. I both like it and hate it at the same time because it's going back to that intimacy thing where it's like, you know, I, I do commend spaces for still including like virtual art galleries or virtual artist meetups and, you know, still providing ways for artists to get our work out there. But it's really, it takes away from like the experience that you get when you view art in person where it's not just an image it's like no you have to like experience it you have to have that feeling around you and like the reactions around you but on the other side it has been really great being able to meet people that you know I don't live in the same city as and you know maybe we would not have been able to meet up had it not been virtually so it's been both good and bad (laughs) You know, going back to our shared experience of being at Redline, did you ever have that experience when you went to Redline when it wasn't open and there was a gallery show hung up and you would just get to walk around it by yourself, like with all the lights off? Mm -hmm. And like, that is such a cool experience of getting to see someone's art kind of just, it's like your own little personal view of what they're doing. I do like to peek my head into people's studio spaces every so often when they're not in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry to anyone that I'm, I share like the, the floor with right now. <laughs> I think everyone and, <laughs> does that. Yeah. They're going to be like, what, what, what do you mean? But you know, it's just really cool because I feel like you're walking into like someone's brain space and yeah. you get to see your processes. And I like seeing works in progress. 
because the transformation from beginning to end is always incredible. And I, I always have that anticipation of like, oh, what what are they going to do next? Oh, so yeah. to my uh, Var West neighbors, I have been snooping around your spaces sometimes just to see what you're working on. So you do <laughs> have a you do have a studio space right now. I do. I've been at Var West for. It'll be two years pretty soon in September. Right on. Yeah. Nice little studio space. And this has been such a sanctuary to be in, especially the last year and a half. My my only concern, you know, when the world changed very drastically was, am I still going to be able to have my studio space? Yeah. And can I, can I access it without any problems? So it's been... It's been good for my mental health <laughs> to, to have this space available. To the point of this show, I guess, now that it's become an art show, I really didn't know where this was all headed when it started, but here we are. I feel like mm-hmm. I should ask you about your goal-setting approach. I'm a big fan of visualizing where I want to be when I am 10 years older than I am right now. Hmm. And doing whatever I can to work through whatever is, you know, set my way to get to that point. For a very long time, I was not doing that. I was definitely like doom and gloom and like, oh, it's never going to happen or like it's not going to be great. But, you know, the, the more that I've really focused on like becoming a more like rounded person and a realistic person, the easier it is for me to have those dreams of what I want to do and to just go for it. I don't always go in with a plan. <laughs> there's, there's like a kind of like the, uh, the groundwork where it's like, okay, you know, like with school, for example, it's like, I'm going to go back to school and work my way through that. I don't go to specifics anymore because life can change and, you know, I don't have any control and I don't want to adhere to a plan because I was doing that for so long and just making myself unhappy because of it. You know, when I was, uh, I was 21, I was like, okay, by the time I'm 25, you know, I'm going to have a full-time job and I'm going to be making X amount a year. And, you know, maybe I'll be married with kids. And I turned 25 and none of that was happening. So as, as like cheesy as this sounds, it's like I'm just trying to manifest these things into my life sure. by keeping that dream alive in my mind and then bringing that out into like the effort that I put into my work, you know, either art or with relationships or just like my own self. So do you, do you accomplish all of your goal setting inside of your mind or do you use any sort of things like list making or other physical techniques to track that? I like to journal because it's a change. It's a tangible way for me to look back at where I was and where I am now. And I really like to do that when I start to get down on myself, like, Oh, you know, what if, like the what if question I think is the worst thing you could ask yourself because there is no answer to it. It's, it's an open-ended non-question basically. Right. So I'm really big into like writing whatever is going on in my life at that particular moment 
just so I can look back and go like, look at everything that I have accomplished or look at how much things have changed since that. And it can be something that I wrote like a month ago or five years ago. So to me, that's like the biggest way that I've like measured my goals and like my progress in life. You need to have some sort of benchmark. That's a good word for it. Yeah. You know, just with that too, it, it shows you like, that you're not always going to be the same person and you never truly stop developing. I don't ever want to get to a point in life now where I feel like, okay, I'm done. Like I've, I've, I'm a, I'm a complete person now. It's like, I constantly want to be developing into someone else. You know, I know that there's always something more for me to achieve on every aspect of life. Well, that's our show for this week. And thank you, Layla, for being here. I hope you'll be back again. Oh my God, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And of course, we would love to hear from you. And you can email us at havegoalspodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us on Instagram at havegoals. Thanks for listening.